Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Good morning. This is Attorney Vincent Davis, and this is Get Your Kids Back Now. This show is dedicated to keeping families together and to fighting the tyranny of CPS and DCFS social workers. A secondary purpose of this show is to educate parents and relatives or to at least show them where to get the necessary information for their fight. The final purpose of the show is to remind the people that change can be effectuated at the ballot box at the state and local levels. Let us unite, vote, and elect those who will make the necessary changes. Good morning. Uh, I want to remind everyone to please register to vote. In our state, we are able to elect uh, judges, and we are able to elect legislators and senators who make the laws, and the judges, of course, interpret the laws. So if you're unhappy with a law regarding CPS or DCFS, remember that you can organize and you can vote in a block to change laws and to change uh, legal representatives. Additionally, please remember that judges in California are voted into office or they're appointed by the governor. And if they're appointed by the governor, they have to stand re-election, I think it's every six years. So if you're unhappy with a particular judge, you know that you can vote and that you have power at the ballot box. One of the first things that I want to talk about today is a pet peeve that I have um, regarding uh, how people are notified of their rights when appearing in juvenile court. Now, I find this practice all over California. I I do cases in many different counties, especially down here in Southern California. That would include Los Angeles County, Riverside County, Ventura County, Orange County, San Diego County. And we have a couple of cases up in Shasta County by the Oregon border. We've had cases in San Francisco, Sacramento, and I find that this practice is, or this law is not followed. So in the Welfare and Institutions Code, um, juvenile dependency cases are governed by uh, certain laws that have been passed. And there is one particular law, and it's Welfare and Institutions Code section 248.5. And that section says, quote, all written findings and orders of the court shall be served by the clerk of by the clerk of the court personally by first class mail or by electronic service pursuant to section 2125 within 3 judicial days of their issuance on the petitioner the minor or the minor's counsel the parent or the parent's counsel and the guardian or the guardian's counsel So many times people come to um, consult with me and I ask them, do they have the minute orders or I tell them to bring the minute orders with them and they never have them. When I first started doing juvenile dependency law in Los Angeles County, it was a really big deal. The clerk of the court used to um, mail out copies of all minute orders 
that the court made to the attorney. And I used to get minute orders and they used to stack up and I, we used to have to file them. But at some point in time, the clerk stopped doing that. And I'm not sure why, um, because it is required by law. And it's important that each of you who go to juvenile court get a copy of the minute order from every hearing. So if you don't get a copy in the mail from the clerk, please get a copy from your attorney or take your ID and go down to the clerk's office and request a copy of the minute order. The very strange thing is I've had people call me and tell me, hey, I'm at the clerk's office and they refuse to give me a copy of the minute order. Uh, that is, uh, in my opinion, completely improper. And make sure that you ask to speak to a supervisor. I get the feeling that a lot of this is being done to save money because it costs money to print out a minute order uh, that costs ink and paper. And then there's the labor to stuff it into a uh, envelope. And then there's the labor to address the envelope. And then there's the postage costs. And in a lot of counties, um, this can be a significant cost to the clerk's office. The only reason I can think of is that they're trying to save money. However, this provision provides that you can be served electronically, presumably at your free email address that you've gotten on Hotmail or MSN or Google or Yahoo or AOL. And the clerk can serve you these minute orders uh, at your email address. I'm in the process of talking to a couple of attorneys and we may be bringing a lawsuit, some type of class action lawsuit to uh, force the clerks of the court in different counties to serve these minute orders. Um, these are important documents that you should have and that you should review while doing your case. Right now, um, I see we're having a lot of calls in the queue, so I'm going to take the first call uh, this morning and Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince Davis. Do you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Good morning. Hello. Good morning. Did you have a story to tell or a question? Yes, I just have a few questions. Can you hear me? Go ahead. I can hear you loud. Yeah, so this is Arlene. And uh, I'm a client of yours, of course. Um, I just wanted to ask about the um, the uh, when when CPS shows up and they they don't tell you that you have a choice either to let them in or not um, when they don't have a warrant. Uh, what what is the? I mean, I have let them in before, just because. But should you let them in, or should you have to wait for them to have a warrant? Okay, this is my humble opinion. I know several colleagues that disagree with me, but my advice to people is never talk to a social worker. They can never make you talk to them, and never let them in their in into your house unless they have a warrant. Never let them talk okay. to your children unless they have a warrant. A lot of social workers believe that there is a certain penal code section that allows them to speak to children when doing a social worker investigation. 
And I'm of the opinion that 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 does not give them the power to go talk to your children without permission. And generally, when we sue social workers, we sometimes make that a claim um, that the social worker has done of certain types of wrongdoing. So remember, a social worker can never make you talk to them. They can't get a warrant for that. They can get a warrant to come into your home, and they can get a warrant to inspect and or talk to your children. If they don't have the warrant, I suggest that you not let them in and you not let them talk to your children. I hope okay. that answers your question. Yes, absolutely. But uh, that's not what obviously occurred. Um, they flat out said, no, I have to talk to you. And then they actually wanted to check her to take all her clothes off. And uh, my daughter was taught never to take off her clothes for any strangers. So they kind of twisted it around that uh, she was probably hiding something. So, But she eventually took her clothes off. But they still made me uh, uh, have to go to the doctor and have her and my the other child checked out and all of that. So um, I, I just wanted to know what, what was the legal, you know, what were my rights there because I didn't I didn't know and of course we didn't do anything wrong so we figured oh just let them in and let and we did and we just let them take their clothes off and show them whatever but this is obviously wrong so and then the other thing was that the, my child was at school and they went to school and got her and that's still confusing to me I, I've read so many things and asked so many questions, and that has never been resolved. What What is the legal, I mean, what, what is the actual procedure for that? <laughs> they just In went to school, for, for and opinion, of course the teacher, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. In my, in my opinion, they can never talk to your children unless they have your permission or have a warrant. That's the bottom line. Okay. So what? So the school could just let them, because that's what the school told us afterwards. That if uh, CPS comes uh, and and asks for your children, we can just. I said. So what if it's a person pretending to be a CPS worker? So no, no, no. As long as they they're with CPS, we just hand your children over. I mean, literally verbatim yeah. like that. Yes. I so that the school that is, a, is a, not allowed to do that? In my opinion, not unless the social worker has a warrant. Okay. And then schools right. are not told this? I'm not sure what they're told because they don't represent schools. But the school is saying that that's, what that's their procedure. That when a social worker or police officer shows up, they just end your children over. So I just wanted to get that out there. Thank you for your call this morning and thank you for your questions. Mm -hmm. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, I'm going to take another call from area code 951 ending in 42. Hi, hello. Good morning, you're on morning. You're on with Attorney Vincent oh. Davis. Did you have a question to ask or a story to tell? Oh, good morning. 
uh, I have a story and a question, but I think I'll start off with the story. Go ahead. Um, I just recently got a, um, I just recently got a CPS case, August 31st, 2016. Uh, during this whole process, I was, you know, on your website, um, uh, taking your advice, you know, in regards to dealing with the court system. Um, my baby, I was pregnant and my baby was taken from me because he tested positive for, um, for methamphetamine. Um, there is a lot of things I had to jump a lot of hills. Well, so many things that went wrong with my case in regards to the mandated reporter. She um, wrote a report on me with a lot of false statements, um, a lot of false allegations. Um, I, I admit to the... Um, me being on the influence, I admit to that. But as far as with the other things she put on my report with me, um, not having no clothes, food for my kids, um, I didn't want to hold my baby in the hospital, which wasn't true. Um, giving her permission to enter my home, that's how she got my 13-year-old daughter. I never gave her permission to enter her home, but she put that in the report. Um, I completed... Um, my drug program June last year. I done therapy sessions. I've done parenting. Um, I got my kids back. I'm gonna say August of last year. But um, the worker, her report made it very, 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 very hard for me to get my kids back. Uh, one of the things I did from your um, advice was to write a objection to the worker report. Um, I was able to get eight of the charges dismissed by the judge with only the one, which is the judge, um, the judge charge. But I want to know, because um, my case should be closed in the next two weeks. My worker just notified me Monday that all the attorneys agreed to close my case. But um, I really feel that the light, the, the worker that lied on me, uh, I want to know, is it possible that she could still be criminally charged for falsifying statements? Well, the answer to that is yes. As a matter of fact, currently in the Los Angeles County Superior Court Criminal Department, downtown L.A., there are four social workers who are being um, tried or charged with lying in writing reports to the juvenile judge. And they're facing many years in state prison. Um, not only that, but if a social worker has lied in a report about you and it has hurt you, you have the opportunity to sue them for civil rights violations. And of course, our office does handle those types of cases. So if you believe that this social worker has lied about you or on you to help take your children away, um, we can discuss that at a later time, and we can file a criminal complaint and ask the district attorney's office to proceed with criminal charges against that social worker, and you can also bring a lawsuit against the social worker for the violation of your civil rights. Um, also, um, 
she released my medical records to my baby's dad and my daughter. Well, they have two different dads. My daughter's 13. She also mailed him a copy of my medical records from the hospital. I don't know why, but she did. And I was told that that, that was another violation of my privacy rights. It definitely is. You can also sue her in the county of Los Angeles for her doing that. It's um, it's Riverside County. Okay, Riverside County, any county. Mhm. Any social worker that violates your privacy rights can be sued for monetary damages. And what a lot of attorneys uh, do nowadays is they not only sue for the monetary damages, but they sue for an order to stop the social worker in the county from doing that to anyone else in any future case. So if you'd like to pursue uh, pursue any of those avenues, please give us a call uh, and make an appointment to speak to me personally. Okay. Um, your, right. I think I well, forgot the lady from your office. She told me that I'll have to wait for my case to be closed first. To all the listeners, if you call and want to speak to me, ask to speak to me personally. There are many people that work at my office, and unfortunately, I don't have control over everything that they say and everything they do 24-7. But when you call, ask to speak to me personally, and they'll make an appointment for you to either meet with me personally or speak to me on the phone. So when you call my office today after 9 o'clock, you say, tell the lady that you want to speak to me personally, okay? Okay. All right. Ma'am, thank you for your call. I appreciate it. Okay, well, thank you for inviting me. Mm-hmm. Okay, there is one other section um, of the Welfare and Institutions Code that I want to review with the listeners uh, this morning. And it is Section 309 of the Welfare and Institutions Code. And I'm going to read parts of that section right now. Section 309A, it says, Upon delivery to the social worker of a child who has been taken into temporary custody under this article, the social worker shall immediately investigate the circumstances of the child and the facts surrounding the child's being taken into custody and attempt to maintain the child with the child's family through the provision of services. The social worker shall immediately release the child to the custody of the child's parent, guardian, or relative, regardless of the parent's, guardian's, or relative's immigration status, unless one or more of the following conditions exist. And it goes on to list five conditions. But generally speaking, um, the child must be immediately released. Now, there have been some minor changes in the law that social workers and some courts are using as an excuse to not immediately release the child to the relative, and that is uh, deals with the relatives qualifying their home and they're getting certain types of training and education before that they can get the child. In my opinion, those requirements do not affect Section 309. They may affect whether the relative can get 
funding. But, in my opinion, under 309, they must still release the child to the relative. This is something that every relative and every parent who has a child detained in foster homes should talk to their attorneys about. There is a corollary, corollary California rule of court that further explains the importance of releasing children to relatives without any delay. So that's something that everyone should be speaking about and talking about with their attorney. Okay, right now I'm going to take another call from area code 707, ending in 38. Good morning, you're on with Jess Davis. Do you have a story to tell and to ask? I'm sorry? Yes, this is Todd Cody from Apple. I'm a client. Good. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? I do. So my story is CPS. You know, just like in your last, your what you spoke last about is they have to a, a worker has to investigate and make an effort to place a child with family members, and they did the exact exact opposite. They they've done everything they can to keep my grandchildren away from family. They lied on their report on their 300 form that they used to get a warrant. They stated that my grandchildren lived with it, were residing with the parents. When they intervened, they knew this to be a lie. They knew that my grandchildren had been living with me and my wife since the 15th of September, and they came on the 25th of, of, of October and, and, and stated to the judge that the children resided with the parents who were transient and homeless when their agency knew that they lived with us. Now, in his investigative narrative, go ahead. No, I didn't say anything. Okay. So in his investigative narrative, he withheld and concealed all testimony that disputed his uh, his claim to what he was trying to take our children. It's just, I, I don't understand how they can get away with these lies and not even be put on a stand and to be questioned. You know, I, I don't understand this. I, 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 I'm bewildered how how they got away with taking my grandchildren because of something the parents did. But the, the, the children were living with us, and CPS told us that the, the parents were allowed to pick up the children and take them out on outings. They just weren't allowed to spend the night. So that's all. that's what they were doing. They were here to pick up the children, to take them out on an outing. He got pulled over. They found weed in the truck, and they they accused him of being, you know, under the influence. But you know, it's it's and which the case was dropped on that. They never they never even tried to try him for being under the influence. But my my thing is, they should have treated that like an isolated incident. They should have came to us and said, hey, you know, we have to change the the plan that they can no longer pick up the children. No, they come in. They didn't do that though. They came and took my grandchildren. I don't know if they needed to come up with their quota for the month of children they needed to take and put into foster care. But you know, I don't understand, Vincent. How can they lie well, and get away? Your with it? I don't understand either, and that is why we are bringing a civil rights case on your behalf against 
the county of Napa and its social workers. Um, you know, one of the things that I've noticed in practicing in cases, these cases all over California, is there is the same problem, and that problem is that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts absolutely. In my opinion, exactly. what has happened in your case, what has happened in your case is there is a social worker or two or three who has decided that they know what's best for the children and they're going to implement that plan regardless of what the law says. And I find that unfortunately uh, too many times uh, with social workers. Now I wanna say something, don't get me wrong. I have met and been on cases with people who are excellent social workers. There are good social workers. The problem is, is that sometimes we get these rogue social workers or people that they can do, people think that they can do whatever they want, irrespective of what the law is, irrespective of what people's rights are. And you know what I find a lot of times? I find a lot of times that social workers do things to people who they don't like. Now, exactly. It might be a personality conflict. It might be a, you know, something discriminatory, discriminatory based upon, you know, age, religion, uh, sexual orientation. Um, I, I once had, I once did a trial in Los Angeles, and this was years ago. But I asked a social worker on the stand, "Why won't you place the children with the grandmother in New York?" And her response was, and I don't know if this is a direct quote, but her response was something to the effect of, well, she's Jamaican, and we all know Jamaicans are drug dealers. That's what she testified oh, to. Oh, wow. And, and, and when the judge oh, heard God. that, he just stood, he stood up, and he just walked off the bench. I, I think he did that because he was so upset by what she said. I mean... Thank God the lady told the truth, but you get the you get the you get the uh, the gist of what I'm telling you. I mean, social workers I are do. people, I, and they I, have the same strength. They have the same strengths and the same weaknesses as all people. And look, some of us or all of us have some type of prejudice, or you know, we discriminate in certain ways because of our backgrounds, the way we were brought up. Social workers are the same way. So if you're expecting all social all social workers to be true blue and perfect, you're not going to find it. And unfortunately, in your case, I think that's what's happened. Well, it's just like you said, they went they went to my granddaughter's school without anybody's permission, without a warrant, and they talked to my granddaughter. And, you know, she told them that she had not spent any overnights with her parents. I mean, she told them, she clarified to them that she had not. They just came on a mission. They were on a mission to get my kids. It didn't matter what anybody said. They, they, like I said, they, they withheld and concealed all testimony that disputed his claim. And he just lied. I just, God, I just want to scream. He just lied. And got away with it. Well, he hasn't gotten away with it yet because, because you 
have contacted me recently, and we're taking on your case, and we're going to try to sue the social worker and the county of Napa, and if the truth does come out, we'll try to go back to juvenile court for you and try to get those children placed back with you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for calling I today. I appreciate the call. Thank you so much, Vincent. You have a great day, huh? Thank you. Bye-bye. I want to tell the audience a, a, a trick that I um, that I use. I won't call it a trick. I call it a legal strategy uh, that I use in cases uh, such as that last caller's case. You know, a lot of times, for whatever reason, uh, social workers don't want to place children with relatives. They'd rather keep them in foster homes. Now, sometimes there are many reasons for that. Um, you know, and I think one of the main incentives is that is because it's money, money for the counties uh, using foster homes. But one of the things that I do is I have my clients make a list of 25 people who could take the children. Now, I didn't say who would take the children. I said who could take the children. And these 25 people should be related by uh, blood, marriage, or close family friends. Now, here's the important part. The 25 people, they don't have to live anywhere in the county. They can live in the county. They can live in the state. They could live out of state. They could live out of the country. Yes, that's right. They could live out of the country. So many people tell me that, hey, Mr. Davis, we have a case in LA County, and the social worker said we can't place the relative, we can't place the children with relatives uh, over in Sacramento. That's false. And the reason why I think social workers say that is because they don't want the extra work and they don't want to lose the federal funding because most of the money follows the child. So if the child leaves Los Angeles County and gets placed in Sacramento County, uh, guess what? Money goes to Sacramento County to take care of the child, not to L.A. County. So 25 relatives related by blood, by marriage, or close family friends who are counted as relatives in, these, in this type of case. And the relatives can live anywhere in the world. Don't let a social worker tell you your relative in Miami can't take your child from California. All right? That's not the law. Uh, and by the way, when there are two parents or more than two parents, sometimes there might be one or more fathers, um, I try to encourage the attorneys on the other side to get 25 names from their client. So we sometimes we go from 25 names to 50 names to 75 names. I was on a case one time we had 150 names. So get those names, get them written, their name, their address, their telephone number, email address if they have it, and how they're related to the child. Now, the reason why this is important, because under Section Welfare and Institutions Code Section 309 and the Corollary California Rule of Court, the social worker must investigate all of the relatives, not one at a time, 
all. And if you think about it, how long does it take to investigate a relative? It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of energy to investigate the relative. On one case I did in Riverside County, I came up with 25 names. You know what the, the judge told me? The judge told me I was harassing the social worker. I stood there dumbfounded. I couldn't believe the judge said that. I'm trying to enforce a law, and he's opining that I'm harassing the social worker because I gave her too many relatives. Well, guess what? That just forces the social worker to investigate and to release the child to a relative. Suddenly, that grandmother or that cousin who they didn't like that lives, you know, down the street and around the corner, uh, certainly okay when placed or compared to relatives in uh, another county or another state or in another country. When when a relative is in another county, another state, another country, social workers must uh, contact, and there's apparently a lot of paperwork to do this, that particular foreign county or foreign state or foreign country in order to place the children there. And apparently it's a lot of work to do that. And so sometimes when they're faced with this uh, you know, extra work, they decide that Cousin Joe down the street and around the corner is okay to place the kids with when before, when you just showed up with one name, Cousin Joe's name, they you know gave him the thumbs down. So on every case, make sure that that list is emailed to your social workers by your attorneys. Because if you email it, there's a, there's a record. They can't say, oh, no, we didn't get that list. Additionally, additionally, make sure that these people also file something called a JV-285. Google it, JV-285. It's a form for any person that wants to take care of the child, visit the child, take the child to school, fills out, and the judge is supposed to address that request. Now, we filed a lot of JV-285s in court, and sometimes the court clerk because doesn't know what to do with it, doesn't know whether a setting should be heard or a report should be ordered from the social worker. So make sure that you follow up on those JV-285s that you file um, because they will also help get the child into a family setting, into a relative setting. Okay, I'm going to take another call. It's from area code 951, ending in 42. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a question to ask or a story to tell? Good morning. Okay, little technical difficulties. I'll move on to another call. We're um, going to take a call from area code 760, ending in 18. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince, um, you're on with attorney Vince Davis. Yeah. Would you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Um, both. Um, I've been listening to you um, talk about uh, being able to get court paperwork and um, we've asked for uh, counter notes, transcripts, um, minute orders, and uh, they say that we have to pay for everything. Is that true? 
No, it's not. As a matter of fact, you can fill out a form for what's called a fee waiver. Every county has a program um, by law where you can get uh, copies of your documents uh, for free. But interestingly enough, the law requires the clerk to send you – I think we're getting feedback because you might be listening to the show and talking on the phone. Okay, there. I'll – it was on speaker. Ma'am? Yes, I'm yeah, here. turn it off. Yeah, turn okay. Okay. So, the, okay. so we don't get the feedback. Turn off your radio. Oh, there's no radio. It's just my cell phone is not very good. Okay. So you're required to be to be mailed copies of your minute orders and your social worker reports. But if you want to go down to your clerk's office, what county are you in? San Bernardino. Okay. In San Bernardino. San Bernardino. Okay, you go down to San Bernardino with your ID, and you walk up to the clerk's window. You know, when you first walk in the door, you see those big windows in in the back of that room. That's the clerk's office, and you tell them you want a copy of your file, and you would like a fee waiver. Therefore, you can get a copy of your file without paying anything. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I'm a, gra- I'm a grandmother. Any- Okay, well, it will have to be it will have to be one of the parents. If you're a grandmother, you can file what's called an 827 petition. Google that, JB 827, and you can file that to get copies of the records if you have an interest in the children. And if you, of course, if you're the grandmother, you of course have an interest in the children. If you are having problems getting copies, or if you're if the mother or father are having problems getting a copy, please call and make an appointment to speak to me personally, and I will help you. Um, I or one of my attorneys is always in almost every day in San Bernardino Juvenile Court. We can just stop by the clerk's office and, and meet you there and help you get copies and make sure that they're not taking advantage of you and making you go away because they don't want to take the time to make copies of the file when they should be. Right. That's awesome. Thank you. Um, I'd like to say that um, I was a grandmother, and the children were actually taken from me uh, because the mother was not there. Um, The warrant had no name on it. Um, The aunt and uncle also lived in the home with their children, and they didn't take their children. They only took my other grandchildren. they did not allow us to call family or, or friends or anyone like the warrant said that we could be able to do. There's been so many lies in this case that it's unbelievable. Um, and you're right, the workers just don't like us. And right now we're dealing with an attorney that just doesn't have, she doesn't have any um, empathy for us and you know, we don't know how to deal with this. We've, we've tried to discuss it, and she just she doesn't. She doesn't like us, and she flat out said, you know, 
I can stand here and talk to you all day for the amount of money that I make. And if you keep me doing this, I'm just going to go in the courtroom and lose. And basically, when we went in the courtroom, um, she didn't stand up uh, for my child's rights. And my child is getting very nervous. She doesn't want to lose her children, and we just don't know what to do about it. When did this case start? Um, in 2015. Where are the children placed? Where are the children placed? They're in um, uh, Moreno Valley, California. But are they with a relative or are they but with a foster home? No, they're with a foster home. They were taken from a relative. And there was no abuse, no neglect. Um, it, she wants to put your, them up for adoption, your, and she's even your, said that in front of the children. It's better for you to get given up for adoption. You're young, and you'll forget your mom and family. The judge doesn't seem to be even aware of where these children are. It's like he hasn't read the case. Well, may I, may I um, suggest something? Do you have a pen and a piece of paper? Yes, sir. I want you to write this um, telephone number down, 888-688-6582. I want you to call that number today after 9.30, and I want you to make an appointment to speak to me personally about your case. Maybe I can give you some information and advice that will be able to help you. <clears throat> yeah, because it just right. it doesn't seem right, right that these CPS workers can do whatever they want. Like right now, they're dictating right. um, a change of the right. court order where the kids can be visited and um, monitoring everything. When my child had uh, overnight and weekend visits, and now uh, it's has to be supervised telephone calls or you know these children are placed where my child cannot get to them um, they have two other siblings that are not getting visits and these CPS workers act like they're judge jury and executioner they just don't care and like the youngest child when they go to check on the youngest child all they do is ask where is the other parent because the other parent has been removed from the house and don't the baby. So it just this none of this seems right. And the one thing I do know is that um, if a parent can provide the basic needs for children, if you can give them housing and food and clothing and get them to school or whatever their needs are that way, you know it doesn't matter. I mean, um, I know a lady that's an alcoholic and. They didn't take her children because she's not drunk in front of her children, but she can provide for her children, and they left her alone. They went, they checked on her children, they followed her for six months, and then they left her alone. So I think that, you know, this going on since 2015 is just way out of line. 
I would agree with you, ma'am, and I invite you to call me. It's a free consultation, and I will see if I can help you, okay? Okay. Well, thank you, Mr. Davis. Thank you for your call, ma'am. Thank you for your call. Unfortunately, I get a lot of calls like that. I hear that story about social workers, which seems to be taking advantage of families. Uh, it's quite upsetting. I'm going to take another call from area code 909, ending in 83. Hello? Good morning, Your Honor. Good morning, Your Honor, with Attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Hi. Um, yeah, I, well, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of overwhelmed. I don't, I guess I should just start with my story. Um, so last night my son was taken from me. Um, by my CPS worker, my caseworker, um, there was no warrant. I wasn't given any paperwork. Um, I had an investigation since, like, uh, September, and they decided to open my case. In November, I had my first court date in December, and she just now came to take my son yesterday she didn't tell me or why or not yesterday the night before she didn't tell me why she didn't give me any paperwork I, I'm currently staying in a motel and um, she didn't give the motel at the front desk um, she went and asked them uh, what room I was staying and um, they came and let her in um, like she didn't show them any paperwork so the lady at the front desk came and let them in the room. And so there's four cops and my CPS worker, and they came and took my son and ripped him out of my arms. And and I said, do I have any rights? Like, do, is there any paperwork? She said, no. And I said, well, did I, what did I do? She said, you know what you did. And I said, I really don't, I don't know. I, I mean, there's multiple things that you could be accusing me of here. Um, and she took my son and they left. Um, and there's like, there's a lot more to the case, but I guess um, it a lot and a lot of it is dealing with uh, what you just talked about in the show. Um, and then she t also told me that I wasn't allowed to send my son to relatives out of state. Um, so I've been like struggling for months w with what to do because I have had people that I could send him with. Um, I'm I'm in a situation where I'm I've been a single mom. The father is. Uh, we've been, he, he used to hit me. It's like, uh, it deals with domestic violence as well. And so they're trying to use, I guess, his domestic violence to continue keeping the case open with me and to force me to do all this stuff just because of the father. I have a medical marijuana card. And so far they told me the only thing I'm being accused of is, uh, smoking marijuana. Um, and the last the court date I had, they first of all they crossed out a lot of the domestic violence incident, and I'm I'm wondering why they would cross out the domestic violence incident in the first place. Um, and then I don't know. There's so many things my attorney basically told me if I didn't sign this waiver to sign my rights away to sign my rights away for a trial, um, that CPS it would be worse for me. And so my court-appointed attorney convinced me to sign my right to trial away. Um, <laughs> I don't know. 
that's why I said I don't even know where to start. There's so many different things. Um, maybe you could help me out. <laughs> sure. Let me ask Hello? you something. When, when was the child taken from you? Um, two days ago. Okay. Uh, they came at night. Um, she called the front, she called the front desk yesterday, left them a message. They wrote it down and told me it was this Wednesday, the seventeenth. In what in Los Angeles? I'm in Los Angeles. It's at the Monterey uh, Park Courthouse. In what department are you in? Um, she didn't even say the department on the message she left. But um, you know, but uh, I'm pretty sure. You... Do what? I'm sorry. What department have you? What department have you been going to in the past? It was on the fourth floor. Um, I think it was seven something. I'm sorry, I can't remember the exact um room number. Maybe I can find the paperwork. Um. Do you have a court-appointed oh. attorney or a private attorney? It's a court-appointed attorney. Okay, have you called your court-appointed attorney? I emailed them, and I asked them a bunch of, like, all my questions that I had for them. And the, um, But I've I've been so upset with her. Like, I didn't think that she would be able to help me because when I talked to her at the last court, court date, she just, like, blew off everything I was saying, like, it didn't matter. Like, I had to do everything I was told, like, everything was correct. And, like, I just didn't feel like I was getting anywhere with her. So I, I haven't even, like, tried to call her. I emailed her uh, investigator, and the investigator answered a lot of my questions. But, yeah, like I said, I, I didn't feel like I was going to get anywhere with her. And I'm not sure if she's going to be the one that's there with me on Wednesday or if it's somebody else now that they've taken my son. Well, she'll be still representing you, she or her firm. Uh, so it's important that you speak to her as soon as possible. Okay. If you would like to have a private consultation, it's free with me. Um, I don't know if you wrote down that telephone number, but you could call my office today after 9.30, and I can talk more about the case with you a little bit more in depth. Would you like to do that? That would be perfect. I didn't write down the phone number, but um, I can call and ask for you personally. Yeah, and make sure you make the appointment with me personally, and if you get a pen and a paper, I'll give the phone number again. Okay, yeah. Okay, the telephone number is eight. It's triple eight triple eight six five eight two eight 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 triple eight six five eight two. Okay. Call that number after nine after nine thirty. Tell the lady that you um, spoke to me this morning on the radio and that you want to make an appointment to speak to me personally, either in person or on the phone. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening and for calling in. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, right now I'm going to take a call from area code 323, ending in 8G. 
two. Good morning. You're on with attorney Vince Davis. Did you have a story to tell or a question to ask? Um, um, I guess I could tell a portion of my story. Um, recently, like my last court date, um, like I, I, okay, so I went to court and to find out if I could have my daughter back and all that. However, um, even though I did everything that they asked and all that stuff, they wouldn't give her back to me because there had been contact um, with her father. So the contact with her father, I guess there's like a restraining order or whatever. However, okay, so there was contact with her father. So then after that, what happened was I didn't get her back because of that. And then he went to court, did all this stuff or whatever. And then um, he actually didn't do anything, but he went to court and he was in jail. And every time he got let out of jail, he came to my house. So when I asked for help from the LAPD or victim compensation assistance or whatever, I got denied that. So I wasn't able to leave my apartment. So then he would just come back to my apartment. So I'm afraid that, like, when I go to court in February, they're going to continue saying that I'm not going to get her back because there was contact with her father. However, like, literally, like, I was asking them for help to move so I wouldn't have contact, like, because, I mean, that just makes sense, and then they won't, they denied me the help. (laughs) So I'm just asking kind of, like, how How is it so they can do whatever they want? I'm sure you get these questions all the time. They can do whatever they want and say you can't have your kid back. And then uh, when you ask for help to from them to actually, like, get rid of the problem, um, they don't help you. <laughs> but it's there. It's like a state-offered... Um, it's a state-offered assistance, but they deny you when... You're like desperate and you need help, you know? So it's sort of like a juxtaposition sort of thing. Like, okay, I'm asking for your help so this can be ended, but you're not giving it to me. And then you, I, get, I never get my get back. You right. Where saying? is your child? I do. Where is your child she, right now? She's with my dad. So you she's get along safe, with your you know, dad? Yeah, totally. Okay. So one of the things that you want to do the next time you go to court, no matter what the social worker says, is you want to tell your attorney that you want to have a trial, uh, what they call a contested review hearing, so that you can put on evidence to prove that the child should be returned to you. It's a very straightforward process. Okay. The social worker has to... The, the the way the statute is written, actually, it says that turn to you unless the social worker can prove by a preponderance of evidence that you're still a risk to the child. Now, in my opinion, by, by definition, if you've done everything that they've asked of you, um, you can't be a risk and they... In my opinion, just having contact with a father who's in jail 
does not pose a risk of you being a risk to the child. So if that's all the social worker evidence that the social worker has against you, in my opinion, if you have a trial, you should win. And if you don't win, you you are entitled to appeal that immediately. Right. Um, well, they loophole it really well. Um, I did everything that they asked. I completed everything. The only thing was um, the what they said is I didn't uh, learn anything out of my domestic violence classes because um, I had contact with the father. So, okay, so therefore, you've got to start all over in again. That case, no, in that case, what you want to do is make sure that your um, domestic violence counselor is brought to the court and gets on the stand and testifies as to everything that he taught and everything that you you learned. By the way, right, well, this was, domestic oh, violence class, hold on, let me finish. By the way, taking a domestic violence class and then still having contact with the father, in my opinion, and I'm not a psychologist, but that doesn't mean you didn't learn anything. And, I, and it shouldn't be a problem, especially if the father is in jail. I think you mentioned that the father was in jail. So I mean, yeah, he's going to prison now. <laughs> if that's what the social worker but now, is saying, I think that I think, in my opinion, the social worker should lose if you have a trial. Well, I already that's had a trial, and that's trial. I already had a trial, and I did bring my domestic violence counselor to court they didn't want to talk to her um at that last court date and on top of that now um i've spoken to the social worker because she calls and then now it's not the this or that domestic violence or anything like that it's um now if i have a job so it's like one thing after another so basically it's like Hold on. A job cannot be used against you to keep your child away from you. Well, that's what she's saying now. If I have a job or not. Well, well, that. Well, yeah. Well, that. Nothing else to say. <laughs> All right. So make sure that when you go to court, that you ask for a trial and ask for your social worker and everybody to be put on the stand. She has to prove that you're a risk to the child. Not having a job. Okay, well, when I did, when I did have a trial, I subpoenaed all the social workers and all those people, and nobody showed up. No one showed up. They were all subpoenaed. All right, ma'am, I'm running out of time this morning. Can you call us back next week, and we can continue this conversation? Sure. Thank you. Okay. We have seconds left. I want to thank everybody for listening on the radio.